everyone and welcome back to Menopause, the Good, the Bad and the Downright Sweaty. I'm Diane Danzybrink and usually I would say, and with me is my lovely co-host, the lovely Sophie Claus. But today Soph isn't here because we've had a bit of a technical hitch with the podcast over the last couple of weeks so you probably realize that we haven't actually posted anything um i think it's since about the middle of november and that's because we recorded a lovely batch of podcasts and unfortunately the tech let us down And Sophie will tell you herself that she and I are not technical people. (laughs) And we've tried hard. Poor Sophie's had sleepless nights trying to get the podcasts back, but it just hasn't been possible. So we've had a bit of a break. So apologies for that. Um, Sophie and I haven't managed to get together over the last two or three weeks for one reason or another, work, commitments, etc., family commitments. So I'm going to record the first half of this one and Soph is going to add her thoughts once I've sent it over to her. Um, But just to kind of catch you up on all things menopause, what's all been going on, um, I'm sure some of you have been affected and many of you are aware of the issues still going on around HRT shortages. Um, It all seemed to start about October last year when one of the tablets, the Alest range, um, a lot of those seemed to go out of stock and then followed by the Estradot patches, the Everell patches, etc. And I know for a lot of women, certainly in my support group, that's the Menopause Support Network on Facebook, I know probably, you know, sort of probably around a third of people who are using HRT um, have been affected by the shortages. So that's quite a lot of people um, when you add that up nationally. Um, There have been all sorts of rumours going around and that really is what it comes down to. Um, All sorts of theories as to what's causing it. We've heard about problems with production overseas. We've heard about uh, problems with the adhesive for some of the patches. Um, But interestingly, probably about a week ago now, um, a lady called Emma Hartley who has written a piece for an organisation called Tortoise Media. I really urge you to go and read the whole article if you can find it online. Um, She's written a really interesting piece all about the HRT shortage. And good on you, Emma, for the research that must have gone into this. Um, It must have taken you months. Um, But essentially sort of bottom line seems to be that this could potentially, the problems here could potentially be due to something that happened back in June last year at government level. So in the UK, we have essentially a drugs tariff, a pharmacy tariff, And that tariff splits medications into different categories. And it 
indicates what the government and the NHS are willing to pay to pharmacies for the drugs that they dispense to the NHS or to patients via the NHS. Um, Emma has turned up uh, a piece of research. She's actually had a look at the drugs tariff and it would appear that certainly all the patches, so we have five different brands of patches, all the patches were made what's called a category C um, in June, I think it was either June or July last year. Um, and essentially that sort of, that sets the price that the NHS are prepared to pay to pharmacies for the drugs. Um, now it would appear that maybe that has been pegged at a level where actually the pharmacies are not necessarily making a loss but they're not making a lot on the price that they're having to pay to the wholesalers. And so the consequential knock-on effect of that is that the theory is that perhaps pharmaceutical brands, so pharmaceutical companies and wholesalers, so we have nearly 3,000 wholesalers, pharmaceutical wholesalers in the UK, they're actually making more money by selling those products out of the out of the country rather than so selling them to other territories rather than to the UK so it's a really interesting piece of research when you think that the problem started around October and that actually went into operation about June July it would make common sense um, do we know for sure about all the other theories no we don't um, but Emma's work certainly seems to have thrown some light on some of the issues around supply. Um, <clears throat> there is a really good piece of news around particularly the Everell brand. So Everell is one of the two most popular brands of patch. So it's really Everell or Estradot are the two most popular. Um, so Everell is estrogen only patches and then also Everell Sequi and Everell Conti. So Everell Sequi is for those women who need progesterone too, but they're still having periods. Conti for those women who are postmenopausal, so 12 months without a period, but still need progesterone because they still have their womb. The estrogen only patches, they can be used by women who have had their womb removed due to a hysterectomy, or they can be used alongside a separate progesterone. So Everol has been really popular, um, but there have been lots of issues around supply of Everol. But interestingly, it's now changed hands. So it was with a company called Janssen, who are part of Johnson & Johnson, um, but it's now changed to a company called Theramex, and Theramex have been really helpful in putting out um, basically an information release to say that they're hoping that they can have all the Everol products back in stock with pharmacies by February. So that's that's a big difference to what 
Janssen were saying because they were saying sort of July, August. So hopefully for everybody using Everol, that includes me, <laughs> um, they will be back in stock sooner rather than later. Um, so we'll see what sort of we'll see what happens. We'll see what more comes out about this. Um, but I would say anybody who is struggling to get the brand that they usually have, um, there are options out there for you. And an option that we know what, that there's good availability is if you're using currently using tablets or currently using patches and you're struggling to get them, um, it's a good option to swap, even if it's temporarily, to swap to using the transdermal estrogen gel. And if you need progesterone because you still have your womb, you can also have the body identical progesterone. So the body identical progesterone is called Utrogestan. So your GP would be prescribing you two separate products rather than a combined product. Obviously, if you have a marina coil, that can be the progesterone part of your HRT. You can add the estrogen gel. If you're somebody who has had a hysterectomy, then you probably only need estrogen gel. So there are options out there that we know there is good availability of. Um, so with all this going on, I was invited back to this morning um, with Eamon and Ruth on ITV last Friday. Um, one of my very bold and brave members of the Menopause Support Network, a lady called Emma, um, very bravely volunteered to come along and tell her story of what it had been like for her swapping three different times her HRT. Um, Emma's had a very tricky time. She's in a similar position to me. She's in surgical menopause. Um, so surgical menopause, for those of you that are not familiar, that's menopause literally at the time of surgery if your ovaries are removed. So it's it's very hard and it's very fast and it's sort of all things menopause at the same time. Um, Emma, Emma's only in her early 40s and so consequently it's vital that she gets HRT to protect her long-term bone and heart health and as we know, as we're learning more and more, it's also about protecting her long-term brain health. So she, as I say, she very bravely came and brilliantly told her story. Um, I was really there to sort of provide some facts and some information about what people can do if they are struggling to find supplies um, or if their GP is saying that there isn't an alternative. You know, don't be, don't be turned away. There is always an alternative. Um, one of the things that I said on the programme is that the British Menopause Society, every three months or so, they're issuing an update on the HRT situation. Um, I'll be really honest, it's not perfect. The list isn't perfect because there are still situations where pharmaceutical companies are telling the British Menopause Society, no, no, we don't have any problems with supply, but women just simply aren't able to get hold of it from their pharmacies. So it's not perfect, but it is a useful thing to print off and take to the pharmacy with you. Um, if you want to know, find out what they can get, they can tick the list off for you before you go back to your doctor. It's also worth saying that 
Lots of different pharmacies use lots of different pharmaceutical wholesalers. As I said, there's nearly 3,000 in the UK. So if you've got 10 pharmacies in your local town, they probably all use a different supplier, a different wholesaler. So if you've got a prescription you're trying to fill, it's worth I know it's time and I know lots of us don't have time, but it's well worth checking out with each of them if they have any supplies. Um, so that's hopefully a useful piece of information, something that you can do in the short term. But hopefully once, you know, sort of, as I say, once Everell comes back into stock, that will ease the situation a little bit. Um, obviously, we've got the 12th of December coming up. So who knows who will be the government after the 12th of uh, December? Um so we'll see. But obviously, once the new government is settled and all the new ministers are in place, etc., we will be back to campaigning, whoever that might be, um, on this situation, on mandatory training for GPs, on guidance in the workplace, etc., etc. So, you know, a change of government doesn't mean that anything changes for us. Make Menopause Matter campaign still carries on. If you haven't yet signed the petition, um, we would love you to have a look at that. You can find it via my website, that's menopausesupport.co.uk or on the change.org website. Um, if you'd like to see the This Morning interview from last week, you can go again to menopausesupport.co.uk. Um, you can find that on my Facebook page, Menopause Support. If you'd like to come and join the group, it's the Menopause Support Network. Um, so Sophie will take over from me anytime now. And as ever, if you've got any questions for us, um, ping us a message underneath the podcast. Um, Sophie will give you the contact details at the end. But I hope that's been helpful and we'll be back to normal service very soon. Take care. Bye. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Diane, for the introduction. Um, I'm so sorry that we're doing our podcast separately. Um, we've both had quite a lot of family commitments and work commitments on. Um, and as Diane mentioned, we had a bit of a disaster with the podcast recordings that we did. Um, we did four hours of brilliant podcasts and the way that my app was interfacing um, after the recording meant that everything was completely lost and we could not recover it. So I did shed a tear or 20 million, um, but it was one of those things. And, you know, Diane and I are both self-confessed technophobes and this is sadly one of the things, um, you know, a, a glitch when you're doing it yourselves. But um, I'm going to touch base on the HRT shortages that Diane mentioned, as it's been really interesting to see the knock-on effect of this um, with my friends and menopause club members. Um, I've had one lady in particular who has been doing really, really well on the estradot and feeling quite stable again. And as a result of the shortage, she's had to switch to the gels um, and she's just not getting on with them as well, which is quite heartbreaking to see because she's gone from feeling quite great again to just struggling with anxiety, irritability and um, night sweats and just feeling a bit uncomfortable. 
and I just think it's disgusting that HRT has been downgraded to a category C, which means that other countries have now become a priority for the pharmaceutical companies, which is resulting in so many women throughout the UK just feeling completely helpless. Um, And surely someone in the government would have maybe applied a bit of common sense and thought, hang on a second, this means that there'll be probably more women going to the GP, having to have reviews or having to try and seek an alternative. This is going to have an impact on work um, because most most of the women I've spoken to have felt like really kind of that work has become a struggle for them whilst they've been going through this adjustment period. Um, and I just, all that strikes me in this is that you wouldn't have this occur with diabetes or thyroid medication. So why, again, are women just being failed? Um, I just, I feel livid about it. And obviously, early this year, some of you that um, may not know, but I have the HRT pellets, which are six monthly. And early this year, I was told that they were no longer available and that none of the clinics in the UK had them. And this caused me, um, I think it was about eight, eight or nine weeks of intense anxiety and stress and most of all just this feeling of panic because I've I tried all other HRTs and um, pellets are used as a fourth line HRT um, option and I just thought well I've, I've gone back to work I'm getting on really well I feel great I've got holidays coming up and I suddenly felt like I'd gone cold turkey with my HRT and I had really intense symptoms um And I'm actually experiencing that at the moment. So as I said, they're six monthly, so I'm due my pellet replacement now. And I was due to have an appointment on Thursday, just gone. And sadly, the appointment was cancelled for the second time. Um, Only on this occasion, I hadn't actually been told it had been cancelled. So I woke up on Thursday last week really excited, thinking, oh, I'm going to get my HRT and, you know, head into the Christmas period feeling better and my partner had taken half a day off work I'd taken the whole day and because we're not local to the clinic so it's about a two-hour journey and yeah it it was cancelled and I've not been given any explanation um and I've been told that the earliest appointment they can give me would be the 29th of January and whilst I understand that the NHS is under such immense pressure I just feel this real sense of dread and fear because I don't know about you but I I do find Christmas quite an overwhelming time um I think there's just so much pressure to well I put so much pressure on myself to create this kind of picture perfect Christmas and I feel torn in so many different directions that this this kind of couldn't come at the worst time so I became slightly hysterical on Thursday. It was probably uh, an understatement of the century, I would say. But I was really, really upset and distressed. Um, so on Friday, I woke up and I just thought, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to be going through Christmas with low estrogen, and I'm already having several symptoms, which I'll tell you about in a moment. What can I do to help myself here? And I remember back in 2015 when I went into medical menopause and I struggled a little bit 
somebody said to me, you know, as you get older, Sophie, you have to learn to say no to people. You have to learn to put yourself first. And I said, well, I, I feel like I'm selfish if they do that. And they said, no, it's not being selfish. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And if you can't put yourself first, then you're not going to operate at your best. So I really took that on board. And on Friday, I wrote a list of everything that I've kind of got on my mind that's outstanding that I need to do. And I basically did a cull of all my social arrangements and pressures and just thought, what can I do to make my life easier? And I felt so much better afterwards, just easing that pressure on myself um, and actually managed to go into the weekend. Um, I had a fantastic weekend. And, you know, even though I'm experiencing this incredible decline in my cognitive function during this time, I mean, I've lost my car more times than I can count recently. And I can chuckle about it, but actually, at the time where I lose my car, I do get quite distressed because I just think, I always default to that it's been stolen. And then I get really frustrated with myself um, and I get this feeling of panic. And recently, I, I lost my car and I rang my partner and said, oh, you know, my car's definitely been stolen this time. It's nowhere to be found. And what I was doing in that moment was remembering where my car had been parked the last time I'd been at that retail park. And that's where I was looking. Um, so my memory, my mind was playing tricks on me. Um, but it's also just kind of other things that I keep. I, when I experience low estrogen, I tend to get really clumsy. I misjudge things. Um, or I'll do things like go to empty the washing machine. And I've turned the washing machine on, but I've not put the washing in. Um, or I'll go to iron and say, oh, the iron's packed up, it's not working, and I haven't switched it on. And it's just all these little things that when you're trying to, um, I, I've got two jobs, when I'm trying to do both of my jobs and run the menopause club and run a household and be a mum, that I just think, goodness me, I can barely get dressed. Honestly, if I put my tights on the right way round, I feel like I should deserve some sort of BAFTA award or an Oscar. Um, so that's been really, really frustrating. Um, but what was this has kind of made me go through a bit of a thinking stage and having the weekend away um, was really refreshing, but also it really struck me whilst we were away that I was away with somebody um, who I met on a PMDD and hysterectomy forum on Facebook. Now, she and I kind of kept commenting on things early last year um, and we happened to be having our surgery within a week of one another. So we got talking and... Basically, the whole of last year, um, it's lovely, Shezzy and I, we spoke mainly every single day and we supported one another through our tears. We had moments of absolute fits of giggles. And we met last year for the first time and we were with our partners and it could have gone one way or the other, you know, when you get talking to someone online. And we met up in Lincoln and we had the best time. And then we've met up a few times since and so this weekend, um, her partner and my partner, the four of us, we all got together and went away to the week, the Peak District for the weekend. And I just thought, so I met Diane by doing a tweet on Twitter, like pleading for help. And if Diane hadn't responded to that, I'm sure 
we probably would have, our paths would have crossed. But the fact that that's how we came to know one another, and I absolutely adore Diane. And then I met Shezzy on Facebook. Um, and then I think of the Menopause Club in Hitchin, which I've primarily advertised via social media. And all these women who are complete strangers have come together just with menopause in common. And we have got such a strong bond and we have such a, a giggle together, but we also have some really serious, frank, open chats. And I, I think it's incredible. Um, so that's what I'd say through this Christmas period. If you're feeling a bit on edge um, or if you're being impacted by the HRT shortage, reach out and talk because it really does make a difference and there'll always be someone there who will get it and who can relate to you and and just kind of try and make you feel better through this time um but in the meantime Diane and I are definitely going to be getting together in January to record some podcasts um and I hope you all have a restful and relaxing Christmas and remember to put you you first Take care. Bye.